Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Okay, welcome back to the Iron Brew Podcast. You've got Brad Mel, Matt Blanchard, Matt Ellis, and it's another In Conversation episode today. And today we are sat with former manager Brian Laws. How are you doing, Brian? Ah, good, uh, good morning, good afternoon, and uh, or good night. I don't know. Well, yeah, whenever. Whenever. <laughs> whenever they're listening. Uh, so, as ever, we're going to start with, um, we're going to mainly focus on the Scunthorpe United section, but we will sort of start with... You know a little bit of the career beforehand, so let's let's go with Nottingham Forest to start with, because obviously I think that's probably where you had uh, a lot of your success, sort of as a player, and of course played under Brian Clough for sort of five six years. Yeah. yeah. So what sort of were your experiences from that time? Well, interesting uh, uh, would be one of the phrases I use. It's very interesting uh, uh, time I had in Nottingham Forest. One, I, I totally agree with you. It's probably my most successful part of my footballing career. Uh, I've had successes in terms of promotions and so forth with uh, Middlesbrough Football Club prior to going to Forest. But I think Forest was the um, the real hub of my success uh, uh, and really enjoying my football. And you know, going into work, going into 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 a training ground, not knowing what's going to happen the next day, and, and you know, it, it sort of give you a real buzz. Uh, so yeah, I would say Forest is definitely um, my most successful period of my, my career in football and, and and a very and everybody asked me a lot of questions of course Brian Clough one of the greatest managers of all time um, has always been asked about questions about how he is and what he was like and incre- it's very hard to describe him um, other than you know it is really hard to describe him it's a joy to work with um, and if you're on his good books um and I mean by he likes you. Um, you're gonna have a good career with him, but if he doesn't like you, and he can he, he can sort of make that decision pretty swiftly. Uh, you're not there you're very long, and you know it. And uh, he makes it very clear he, in front of everybody. It's not a case of a, it's a one to one. This is public, uh, so every player knows their their place. And if he likes you, you you're all right. And this is not play, people or players who will. Um, nod and agree with everything he's got to say uh, because he'd rather have you sticking off yourself um, but I think what he mainly uh, really gets to is the fact that when you perform and if you perform on a regular basis and you're doing the things that he asks you to do you're alright and I think uh, I was lucky I, was, I think I would come under the, the category of alright <laughs> I think I got alright with him uh, and you got obviously with Nottingham Forest you had a couple of experiences with Wembley as well you know so yeah. getting that sort of early on in your career and obviously you get that with your managerial time as well later on yeah. but I suppose it's, it's we'll talk about Wembley later but it's it's useful to have that sort of experience I guess for yourself yeah I, listen I was 20, in my late 20s when I first went to, to Forest and uh, and after picking up a really nasty injury when I was at Middlesbrough I snapped my, my crucial ligament and I was out for 14 months which is a long time for footballers uh Never thought I'd ever play again. Uh, surgery, 
the the, uh, the surgeon himself couldn't get uh, give me an answer when I asked a question, which you you do, you ask a question. Am I going to be alright to play? That's because that's all I know. And the answer was I don't know. And that was the and that was the the real uh, sort of turning point in my mind uh, about what I'm going to do. And that was the, the sort of really good advice I got. At that period of time, with Bruce Rioch, who was manager at the time, uh, he came to see me in the hospital. And he knew I was down, and, uh, and he also has been through the sort of injury processes himself. And he just asked the question straight out: well, "What? What if you don't? So, what, what do you want to do?" And I said, "All I know is football. All I want to do is play football." He said, "Well, there's obviously other avenues. If you can't play it, you train it and you coach it." Have you thought about that? And I said, no, not really. He said, so the next day he brought in a load of magazines and a load of uh, books about coaching. And that was my first real thought in my 20s to think about coaching. And uh, in that period of time, I started to think very carefully about it. But I also started to set up um, going through the process of getting coaching badges and so forth. So that, that was my first, but it was because of a major injury. But I was very lucky when I did recover. Uh, Nottingham Forest were, the, were a team who were so much on the high. Um, every day in the newspaper, Cluffy would be on the front, the back, the middle. And he, I think everybody in the country would have said, if you asked any player in the country at that time, who would you want to play for? Or who would you fancy playing for as a manager? I think everybody would have said Cluffy. You know, because he was just at his palm. He was fantastic. Um, everything about him, he was funny, he had character. And, uh, but he also had a serious thing about him, and he and he wanted to play football in the right way. So, uh, when the phone call came along to to go and join, which was which was a uh, bizarre uh, because Peter Beagrey, who, who I took as a player back at Scunthorpe, mm-hmm. um, was a good friend of mine uh, at Middlesbrough, one of my teammates. He was a bit of a practical joker, and he got me uh, about a month about a month earlier because he knew I was unsettled. Uh, at Middlesbrough and he, uh, he rang my house uh, but he put a, a Scottish accent on <laughs> and uh, and he was pretending he was marking the kite and, uh, and uh, I, he was a Blackburn manager and I hook, line and sinker <laughs> fell for it and I was so interested in fact I only drove across to Blackburn um, he was asking me to, to travel down and everything and it was only the next day that Biggs had uh, opened up and told everybody in the restaurant he killed me. He absolutely <laughs> killed me. He taped it. He had everything. You know, so you know, it, it, so that was my, my lesson. And I thought, right, okay, you're not going to get me again. And then obviously <laughs> a month later, Clough rings my, uh, my home number. And, uh, and Cluffy rang and I, I just went, picked it up. And as soon as he started, now young man, uh, it's Brian Cluffy. I went, Biggs, <laughs> Can I, I'm not going to swear, no. but it's uh, do one. Yeah. And put the phone down. <coughs> and, I, and about 30 seconds later, the phone rings again, pick it up, and, and this angry voice going, No, young man, you ever do that to me again? And I thought, Oh, it really did sound like it. Uh, so I said, I really apologise. I thought somebody had drank it all. Um, he says, Well, I'd like to. I want you to come down to the city ground, come see me, bring your family, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay. So I drove down. And I'm still thinking, was it? Mm-hmm. Is it? 
Um, and it was only until I got to the city ground and they actually went, yes, it works better, Mr. Lord. <laughs> you know, got to the reception. And then he, he, we did all the preliminary talks and stuff like that. And then he came up with a really bizarre thing. We were sitting there, he sent my wife out and let them go and look around the place. And uh, he said, right, uh, I need to ask you a really serious question. Are you a good player or a bad player? So I said, oh, well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I said, well, I'm going to assume that you want me to come to the club, seeing you play, I'm a good player. Ah, I have no idea if you're a good player or a bad player. I've never seen you play. <laughs> how, how bizarre is that? And he said, so I was like really taken aback. I was, I was quite shocked and I went, oh, so why am I here then? He said, well, Ron Fenton, who was his assistant, said uh, we should sign him. And I'm going to sign you on his recommendation. Uh, but if you're crap, <laughs> he signed you. You got it? So I went, well, I better make sure I'm not crap then. <laughs> so, uh, so that was the, the sort of the uh, introduction to, to Cluffy's Way, and um, it was just brilliant. I couldn't wait to sign. And I did, it talked about negotiations. It was the worst negotiations ever. <laughs> I just went, he went, right, that's what I'm off you. I went, yeah, fine, sign it. <laughs> there was that, there was no, I just wanted to be there. You know, it yeah. was, it was, it was uh, just an education. So, um, and every day from then on, it was just a joy to be there. Uh, and to have them sort of success playing at Wembley, going back to the Wembley thing, you know, to, to get that point uh, so early in my career with Forrest. And it seemed to snowball. We had, like, we went to Wembley four times in the space of five years, and it was like quite irregular. First time I've ever been to Wembley, nervous. Uh, I remember actually, uh, I actually, we had white, white uh, shorts, and you know you're drinking fluid and everything, and the tunnel's such a long way. As soon as we hit the noise, and as you come out of the tunnel, it was like 70,000, 80,000 people, and it was deafening. And I couldn't stop, I was still, I thought, I'm going to have to have a wee. So as I'm walking onto the pitch, I'm weeing. <laughs> Not a lot, yeah. but I couldn't stop, it's trickling me out, and I'm thinking, oh my God, this is embarrassing, just get on with it. Luckily, nobody could see anything. I was, I was so nervous about the whole occasion, but it, it, it flew by. And But then, once I got on the rebel, I, I started to start to enjoy them. It's, and people do say, you know, when you first play at Wembley in a cup final, it's, it's like, pass you by. And does it? You know, it can go so quickly. So, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my time. My time, and you know, when you look at management now, how it's flipped on its head with uh, sports psychologists and you know, science, sports science that's come into the game uh, very strongly. There's none of that. Um, in fact, Cluffy was the only manager I've ever worked with that never spoke about the opposition. We never. So in six years, I worked with him. We never spoke about the opposition. We never practiced a corner or a free kick for or against. Now, who does that? <laughs> but what he did have, which I learned through working there, was he brought in players. Didn't He never brought a massive players. You never thought, well, sometimes managers will bring in five or six players. He only brought in one or two in every year, and it, they would only have to fit into his jigsaw. And players who have the ability to think on their feet. So we all had, not necessarily... Uh, brilliant players in each position but what we had is organisers who could organise themselves and talk to each other and that's we were actually managing ourselves so on the pitch 
if there was a set play or a free kick, we'd do it ourselves mm-hmm. and orchestrate it ourselves. And his, his philosophy was, if you don't know what you're doing on the football pitch, how do I know what you're doing on the football pitch? Learn your trade. You'll play when you've learned your trade. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, okay. So that was the, the sort of... Uh, Going from a regimental managers that are, and coaches that I've worked with in the past to Cluffy, who was so laid back, we hardly trained. We just did five aside, and I'm thinking that this it's not right. It's not right. <laughs> uh, it took me ages to get used to it because I was brought up. With, let's do loads of running. Let's do loads of fitness work. Let's do this, and I felt someone fit, but it wasn't. You didn't need to run because we had all people who could pass the ball. Mm. So we made the opposition run instead. So that was the philosophy. Do you think playing under Clough maybe influenced your management style? Well, well, I would be a fool not to take some of his um, coaching style, I suppose, as I would do in everybody. I think when he sees something that's really good, you think, well, well I've used that. Um, and there's parts of his management that I wouldn't. You know, the parts of it that are, you know, humiliating at times. Um, so, yeah. There is some some parts of it I would, uh, and I, I'm sure I did. I, I couldn't tell you which one. Somebody might turn around and say, "I think Clovey might have done that," <laughs> you know. It, but I'd never sort of gone into that into management and actually deliberately did anything that I thought I'm going to do that because Clovey did that. So I suppose it it's embedded it, it's embedded in your brain, and, and maybe something along the lines afterwards you think yeah, maybe maybe Clovey might have done the same as that. So that's probably where I might have got one or two bits from. And maybe my first managerial career, going to Grimsby was one of them. Um, when I was very fortunate, my time of football and career-wise, you know as a player when the younger players are coming through. And I was getting to the stage thinking, do you know what? I've got th- two years left on my contract, but I'm not enjoying my football as much as I th- thought I would. Cluffy's gone, that year is gone. Um, and then the, this opportunity of Grimsley come along um, which I had an interview with never thought in a million years I'd get the job uh, but went to an interview which uh, went to the chairman's house which is quite interesting to say that you, I went to the, my very first one and I was surrounded you know, chair in the middle and surrounded by four or five uh, directors Applying with questions and uh, philosophies and what my thoughts are and um, and I spent about four hours at the house. It flew by um, and I went away and I thought, mm, I'm not sure. I never heard anything after that. And then got another interview. Uh, went back again. Spoke about um, what my thoughts were on Grimsby. What my knowledge was, uh, and then eventually got the job and I was very grateful for that because that gave me a, my first step stone. I was the youngest manager in the in the league I was only 31 and it wasn't a manager it was player manager because I was still able to play you know and uh, that was tough I have to say that was probably one of the toughest things I wish I hadn't done it actually um, you know people say that you can't do both jobs and um, you know in the past you used to hear about player managers but it burns you out it, it was so physically, mentally demanding and you're putting so much pressure on yourself as a player and as a manager because you're thinking well I've got to prove myself to the other players that 
I justify my position in the team. So therefore, I'll be doing just as hard, if not more work than they are, just to justify it. And, and it, at times, it was exhausting. So, yeah, maybe looking back, perhaps I should have just gone, do you know what? I'll not be your player. But, you know, when money was tight, you know, my influences I could have on the football pitch were probably greater than I could do as a manager. So, um, so we chose to go with it. In the end, in the end, really, it was it was um, my downfall, I would say, um, in the you know the incidents. And I'm sure that that'd be one of your questions coming up. I'm waiting for. Um, but uh, you know, it, it, I have to say, I, I spent just under three years there. Brilliant chairman. Really grateful. Bill Carr for giving me the opportunity and and, and it, it, it really put me on the road to uh, to management and I can't I can't thank him enough it was a it was a great experience and certainly one that um, you know you talk about learning through mistakes and learning through uh, you know working on the on the spot uh, I probably got in those three years probably 20 years worth of experience you know, that which stood me in good standard. And now, like I said, I'm very grateful for that. How did people in the dressing room sort of react to the idea of a player-manager? Because it, it seems to be, I guess, from the outside, quite an odd prospect. Yeah. Really. How does it sort of go down within, in the back room? Um, well, it, it sort of, it, it was becoming a, a, it was becoming a little bit of a norm. There was quite a lot of clubs trying it, you know, and, and, uh, and it was almost like a, the softer approach not necessarily saying that there you are, you just management straight from the training ground, you're straight in there. I'm still doing the footballing aspect as well. But one of the things that I had to, to sort of take on board was to do both, um, you know, is going to be a massive ask. And therefore your assistant, uh, your support mechanism around you has got to be really good because you can't be the manager on the pitch. You're a footballer, and you're a player, and you're part of the team, and therefore. You, um, but the players, you know, the the players were all right because they could see I could contribute on the pitch. If I couldn't contribute on the pitch, I think that would be the difficulty. Saying, well, "Come on, you're taking some spot here," uh, and that would be unfair. Um, so there was that. I suppose that was the easy aspect because I, I could convince them visually that I'm good enough, um, and then. It, the management side was, you know, I'll, I'll play on the pitch, but once I get off the pitch, I'll become the manager again. Um, so your, your assistant has to be somebody who has a bit of experience, uh, knowledge, obviously very much knowledgeable of the game, um, but also is able to make decisions as well that he sees. And you know, I've got to allow him to do that. And it might be that he might have to bring a sub on. I can't go across to the bench and go... You need to bring such and such on. You've got to do it. So that was the sort of learning side of things, I suppose, to try and delegate. Uh, and I found that difficult, I have to say. Um, in terms of your footballing philosophy, obviously, you know, Grimsby, your first job, you yeah. spoke about taking a few bits from Clough. Who else would you say influenced the way that you wanted to play the game? Um, well, Bruce Rick was a big influence because he was a health terrier. He was regimental. His family background was all about uh, the army and he was very, uh, you know, about being precise, uh, being organised, no st- st- term sort of attitude um, and preparation. 
for games was excellent mm. and he was like chalk and cheese to Cluffy so but he didn't have the management style he didn't have a soft part of him you know where he could put his arm around it or, or, or come out and say something that you know would inspire you it'd be very much black and white that's what it is but I thought it was aspects of his coaching and his organisation was second to none you know I don't think any player went into a, into a game not knowing really what they were doing or what they were asked to do and on the opposite on the flip side Cluffy would go, go and play you know do your own thing if it works great if it doesn't you're off <laughs> you know so uh, um so that I'm not trying to amalgamate those two, but I'm just saying that I, I take a little bit. And I thought one of the things that I took on board was organisation. Make sure everything's organised, so that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Players have no excuse to turn on to what we do. I have no idea. You know, I thought preparation was really important. Whereas Cluffy, I, I turned up on the training ground, I have no idea what we were going to do. He, I don't think he had any idea what we were going to do. It was, you know, and that's just off the cuff. Well, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. So, that I think those two were very much an influence to me, for sure. One of the big points, obviously, at Grimsby was the dressing room bust-up yeah. um, with Vanetti. Um <laughs> Probably the first question is what happened, and, and secondly, how did you know that kind of? What did you take from that as a manager? Did you kind of maybe change the way you approach things, approach players, or? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, there is. It was just, it was a, a really difficult. One. I mean, first and foremost, when bringing Benetti into the football club was, I have to say, it, it was brilliant. Um, it, we were the first club to bring their talent into into the football league, and um, you know, which is great coup for for Grimsby. And we always talked about um, with the chairman about you know getting Grimsby back on the map, and you know, because at the end of the day, it's one world in and one world out. And uh, and it, it came about, you know, I I, I did a lot of uh, going to a lot of matches, reserve matches, and so on. And I remember being at Aston Villa watching a game, and an agent. I was sitting with who I had already knew through Cluffy um, done some work for Cluffy but he, he sort of got in with the players I don't know why or how anyway I did remember him he said oh, where, where are you now I said oh, I'm at Grimsby and he went oh ok he says listen mate I've got a player that really you know who he is I went, well who is it he says Ivana Bennett I went right I said I actually played against him a few years ago uh, and, uh, and I was like, 
you didn't see her eye, you? you're like, yeah, well, what bloody hell does he want to come to Grimsby <laughs> for? Uh, and he says, look, he's, he wants to come, come into the English game. I said, mate, I'm at Grimsby. I'm not in Manchester. <laughs> I've got, we haven't got money to, to do that. And he says, seriously, why don't you just have a look at him? I said, what do you mean by having a look at him? I know what he looks like. And he said, no, let him come and train with you or, or play in a game. And I said, so if Ivano Belletti is going to play in a game for us in the reserves. And he went, yeah, he would. I went, yeah, like I said, well, give me a call. Give me a call when you've actually, you, you can arrange it. Anyway, I've gone away from the crowd thinking, this is, but what an idiot. Uh, and then uh, the next day he rings me again and said uh, I spoke to Ivano and he, he, he would like to come I said right can I get right let's let's not mess about because my time is precious anyway right does Ivano Benetti know where Grimsby is it's not Manchester but if you want to tell him it's near Manchester that's up to you he's going no he, he's not in, he, you know he's, he's not like that I said Okay, he's been to Sierra and he wants to come to the docks. It's not a sea, it's not a, you know, it's not a beach where you're going to have, you know, have lots of sun and everything. He said, no, 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 he's, he's serious. I went, okay. And I said, look, I'm going to test the water here. I've got a reserve game coming up on Wednesday. I can't remember who we're playing. Um, but it's normally one man and his dog that are, uh, come and watch the reserves. And I said, we've got a reserve game. Will he come and play? in that game so I can see physically how, how he is and he went yeah he will I said well I want it in writing so send me a I want to say now a fax <laughs> who does fax anymore <laughs> uh, so he sent me a fax and he, he come through and uh, so he said yeah confirmation Ivano and can you put him up for an, a, a night uh, in a hotel I'm thinking which hotel <laughs> 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 so anyway we I said to the chairman, I went, right, got an opportunity. Um, Serie A player, Ivana Benetti, great credentials. Um, possibility of him playing in the reserves on Wednesday. Uh, what's your thoughts? And they're going, well, what do you mean? What's my thoughts? I went, well, could be a bit of a coup. And he went, uh, yeah, I'm sure we can have a look at that. So I said, okay. So anyway, I, I'm... I gave a, a, a bit of a snippet to the local press guy. Said, "Look, we've got a, a guy coming uh, from Sierra. I didn't tell his name. Anyway, he's put in the paper and said uh, uh, we're trialing uh, Sierra. Uh, you know, Italian player. And there must have been about fifteen hundred, two thousand turned up, right? Anyway, he's only played. He was excellent. Did his tricks and you know, very clever." Fans loved it, and we're going. Oh God, you know this could be a series. So we spoke at length. Although Ivano spoke very little English, um, his interpreter uh, was at hand, um, and he he wanted to be part of the deal that uh, because Ivano couldn't speak English, and that would be a difficulty. So we anyway somehow we amalgamated a contract that would be suitable for him. Uh, as much for us, uh, we knew that we'd get extra bums on the seats, so th that that could be a help. Uh, and things were just the, the the players loved him, 
thought he's great, great character, uh, and they were like wowed by him, you know, about his ability. Uh, so everything was going really, really well, and for the first few months it was, it was fantastic. But then we started to get the uh, the, the sort of serious side of him in, in terms of the the sulkiness and um, willingness not to work, uh, sort of thing. Uh, and it all really came to a boiling point, really. And this is where we're talking about player managing scenario. We're, we're playing West Ham away, uh, and Harry Redknapp was the manager at the time. Uh, we we had a, we had a problem at left back, and uh, so I had to step in at left back, start moving myself across. Playing, so we're playing at West Ham. Yvonne was in front of me. Anyway, we had the audacity to go one up, yeah, and I scored, which was, yeah, that's all, yeah, no, I know, I know it's a shock. Uh, anyway, we scored and, and things were going really well. Anyway, the last 15 minutes, it was an onslaught. We were getting hammered. And Kenny Swain, my assistant, knew that, and I've looked over at Kenny, I said, we need to get some bodies on, you know. Anyway, he's changed Yvonne, Yvonne is like, Yvonne is like, just walking around. He was enjoying it, he's had a good game, um, but we need to defend this, we've got an opportunity here. So he took Ivano off, and brought another defender on in front of me to, to help me as well. Anyway, put on stuff, we've drawn the game. Fantastic, brilliant feeling, everybody's buzzing, the chairman's buzzing, um, there's a lot of money for the club, you know, uh, to get them uh, a replay back at, uh, at Blundell Park. And, uh, and Ivana, after the game, was like, not happy. Uh, he's a, he's a, um, his uh, interpreter came to me and said, uh, Ivana's not happy, he's, uh, you've insulted him, taken him off and in front of his family, blah, 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 and I've just gone, get out of here. I says, what a great night we've had, don't spoil it. We're having a great, this is amazing for this football club. Believe me, this is fantastic. Ivana played his part. But we make substitutions, we do that. He is not guaranteed nine minutes in every game. So tell him that. Anyway. And we were staying down in, in London because we had, uh, we had looting we were playing. And because we got a draw, we stayed down, trained around there, getting prepared. And I said to him, he'd be playing at looting. Anyway, looting was the, uh, what the class of the catalyst of it all. Um, and that was the, that, that was the turning point with us. It was, uh, Vano played, um, I played, and again it's the emotional thing of, we just had a brilliant, brilliant uh, draw at West Ham, we're playing them, and we're playing them off the park really, but Vano's not in RB, he starts walking, um, sulking, wouldn't speak to anybody, and he's on the pitch, and anyway we lost the game, 2-1, um, uh, by two mistakes by the centre half, after we totally dominated the game. And uh, as soon as that final was to go, it's not after nine minutes, um, yeah, I'm almost flipping from a player to, to a manager. So as I'm walking off of the park, I'm thinking about my post-match talk with the players and about what we've done that afternoon. And my thoughts were not really thinking about Ivano Benetti, about his performance. I was more about disappointed about the mistakes were made 
Uh, and that was when uh, we got in the, dr- the dressing room and Ivana Bonetti was absolutely ru- sprinting off the pitch. And and that's when uh, we had uh, we had a little bit of a bluster, which was I wasn't happy that a player who supposedly had worked his socks off had the audacity to eat something straight after a game. Wasn't ready. <clears throat> I mean, had a post-match chat about the game, you know, evaluation of the game. Um, it was almost disrespectful and uh, insulting. So this is where the manager, player manager, is not a great one to have because you're you're um, you're, you're already you know upset with the performance. You're still playing. You're still heads up. You're wearing your heart on your sleeve as, as a player and giving your all. And you see somebody that hasn't given his all and he. Is disrespect in the dressing room, and it all it, it, anyway, it flared up, and, uh, and that was it. Um, and that was the destruction of it, of what I I believe we were building is a really nice thing. Going, we had a nice thing going, um, and that started to then deteriorate and eat into um, my relationships with players, uh, with the fans, and you know. After the Luton game, I'm not going to go into detail because that, that still, you know, uh, rankles with me. Um, but you can ask me a question: whether would I do it again? Oh, Chris, I would. Yeah, I would. That shows you how much it mentally. Um, however, um, the straight afterwards, everything's calmed down. Ivana's going to the hospital and. Uh, and we found out he's, he's, he's broke his cheekbone and so on. Um, and it was like a circus. Uh, it became a circus. Uh, Ivano uh, was on Sky Sports wearing Greenwood Town um, pyjamas and after the operation within 24 hours. and He looked like he'd been hit by a sledgehammer. And it, it just was... Everything went out of control. Uh, and you talk about, you know, media. Mm. Uh, I, 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 I was physically sick after the game. I remember uh, when everything, just the realization of what had gone on, and I actually offered to resign. And, and I had all the directors in the in the dressing room. I said, "Look, uh, I told them exactly what had happened." <coughs> um, one of the most important things that I actually did, uh, looking back, and it was a really important thing, was I said to all the players at the time, "Oh, what happened in that dressing room? You've seen." Uh, and um, I'm not going to influence you on whatever your thoughts are but what I will say to you is, is write it down what you see in your own words uh, put an envelope give it to the chair now why I thought of that I don't know mm. nobody advised me to do that however it was the best thing because it was raw uh, the players and I said I, I don't care what you put down it's what your thoughts are, and just be honest. All right? I'm not going to ask you to do anything other than that. And it was all what, you know, and, and the role actually protecting me. So he was banging all the da 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 da. The chairman at the time, when I asked, I said to him, uh, Look, I, uh, I need to, I think I'm going to have to resign. He said, You're doing nothing. Um, and they were very, very protective and very supportive, which was amazing. But, you know, after. 
cool light of day. I says, well, let's sit on it. I want you to sit on it, I'll sit on it, and we'll see how we go in the next 40 hours. And then when I've gone home, I stopped the car. I remember being physically sick uh, on the motorway highway. And uh, I got home and gone to bed, hardly slept, opened the curtains, and all I could see is paparazzi. You know, there was actually cameras poking through my hedge. And I've gone, oops, but shut that in So it, I was almost like, you know, um, I was locked in. Uh, I didn't know what to do. So I'm ringing the club. I'm not, you know, trying to get advice. I have no idea, you know, you know, press it all over the place, and it just hit the news. It was everywhere. It was uh, front page news, and very, you know, there's a lot of spillages that happen. there's a lot of things that happen in dressing rooms. I've been involved with as a player, um, team managers, and so forth, and nothing's ever come out of the dressing room. It generally stays there. It's second son, you know. Um, however, this ex- exploded and into the media and it was uh, it was frightening and it was a uh, it was it potentially was a career threatening um well, finish for me I may never have got back into football so I, I i had a lot of soul searching to do uh, as well and i took a lot of advice and it was strange i had um alex ferguson ring me straight away you see me and he said listen yeah, you've got a great government body behind you, the LMA, you uh, do nothing. Um, I, if I told you things I've done, you know, and said, uh, make your hair curl, it just is one of those things. You don't do anything. Give me some really great advice. No, you didn't need to do that. Uh, so, all of a sudden, I'm starting to think, okay, I'll, I'm not going to do anything. And let, let it ride out. And, and that was the only thing we had to get them the legal side of things in and it stopped me from actually saying what I wanted to say they just shut me down and said look you're going to have to take everything on the chin and say whatever he wants to say you can say in public uh, but you can't bite back you can't say anything if this is a legal matter uh, you can't defend it uh, you can't put your story to it nothing everything gets frozen done so I had to treat it like that So, it, but then the dynamics of the dressing room was horrendous because I, you know when I talked about you know when it, you talk about the uh, what influences I had in football I, Bruce Rioch's uh, influence in terms of organisation strict um, you know disciplined we are um, you know there's a fine in place if you miss this it's, it's all about making sure that everything runs smoothly but Nobody uh, falls out of that. If you do, you get this a fine process. And he just ripped that apart because everything he did, there was a, it, I could have fined him for everything, every day. And it, all it would have seen or would have shown is that it's personal. Cause I'm, and that's all he would have said is it's personal because I'm fining him every day. And then it, t- it took my authority out of that dressing room um, because the players are going, well, if you're not finding in, I'm not paying my fine. So, so you can see the dynamics were changing. <clears throat> and that's when um, I knew, I thought, well, something has got to give so that he's going to go or I go. And, uh, and the, again, taking the legal advice is we had to do uh, care, uh, a duty of care, is that we have to make sure that from his point of view 
we give him all the, the care possible for him to get fit. Once he's fit, then he's able to play. We can make a decision. Until then, we've got to give him all the resources required to get him fit. That's, that, that, that was my judicial. And of course, I went, that's fine. I'll, I'll do that. Uh, and I spoke to him at length about, you know, don't spoil everybody else's issue. This is an issue that's happening. Let's work professionally and try and get through it. Um, but it was a nightmare. Uh, I have to say, uh, lots of things, but um, you know that was a long story. I've, I've just given you there. <laughs> I didn't believe I actually I was going to go and say that, but yeah, you know, looking back now, I, I think um, yeah that that was a uh, that was a tough period, and it was um, it was one that could have ruined my, my career, um, you know, in a split second. Thankfully, I got a second opportunity to manage again, and then you know things gone on. Of course, the story follows you everywhere. It gets, you know, it's like Chinese whispers. It's gone from, you know, from a plate of, of, of sandwiches right through to um, you know, Mike Tyson. You know? <laughs> and, but the every fan, you know, away fan, you know, ridicule and so forth. And it, it, it stayed with me for about, I don't know, about 10 years after that. And... Um, and then it sort of just fizzled out. But it was um, getting back into football was important, um, and then sort of getting my successes al- along the way. Um, so I, I was very grateful. And of course, I had I was very lucky that I had uh, two brilliant, brilliant ma- uh, chairman. One was Bill Carr at, uh, at Grimsby, who gave me that support mechanism, and I had then Steve Wharton, who gave me that support mechanism, which allowed me to, to have that longevity. And, 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 and create an environment at Scunthorpe um, that I could build, and uh, you know, and I'll be always into, into grateful to those two guys for uh, for allowing me to have the opportunity. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.